Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another week of the DP World Tour Picks and Bets. I am Skylar Hoke here with Tom Jacobs. Tom, how are you doing today? Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, it was a good uh, good weekend of golf, not at this tournament. Um, but um, yeah, no, it was good. It was uh, positive. I'm glad that Bubba Watson didn't win uh, in Saudi because we, we sort of said that it was quite a big price for a regular season event, right? And uh, it looked that way in the end. Um, so big putt for Harold Varner there. Um, yeah, judging by your Twitter, uh, Bubba Watson did win, in the fact, when he went yeah. uh, birdie eagle to finish. So yeah, I felt uh, like gave a, a little juice there. Yeah, a bit like a, a Tim Endercast there. I uh, yeah called it too early. But uh, no, it was tough. But like I, I, You can't ever expect Harold Varner to make that putt, right? I don't think Harold Varner was expecting to make that putt. Um, whether that changed anything for him long term, I'm not sure. But uh, no, it was good to see. And a um, good couple of weeks, or oh, a couple of tournaments last week. Yeah, I mean, excellent. I mean, that that finish, I know there's a lot of big HP3 fans out there. So good for you guys and those on him and those who cheer for him. It was good for him to get over the line. Like you mentioned, the other tournament, uh, which you had success on, you're running hotter than the sun right now, Tom Hoagie, <laughs> uh, with a beautiful uh, final three holes there to nip Jordan Spieth. Um, but our bread and butter here, um, you know, we saw Nikolai Hoygaard just absolutely dominate the first round at Alhambra Golf Club. I mean, his off the tee excellence was was unbelievable. And I mean, we, we barely mentioned him and Rasmus last week. You know, we kind of you can you can loop them together in some sense, but you also can. It's it's almost like you know every single week. The con- it's almost these kids just don't have consistency, which probably gives them bigger numbers than they should. But it doesn't like give you confidence to back them. It, it just has to be almost something blind that they can turn into a certain number from here on out. It's just like, okay, they, they can do it. Cause Nikolai didn't show the form in my opinion. No, it's one of those ones, right. And it's, it comes back to that stupid saying that I have all the time. That I just wait for him to be in a more loaded field. And, and this is an example of that not working out. Right. Like there was no, I didn't really fancy the chances of either of them. I thought they were both fine. Um, I probably would have lent Rasmus just because of the price anyway, because you know, at, as it stands, there's not too much uh, between them. I think Nikolai will go on to have a better career. But, um, yeah, I mean, look, it, it happened, didn't it? You know, he, he's, he lets them off the tee. Had a bit of a wobble yesterday where it looked like Jordan Smith might get in and win, who hold a lot more putts than I would have expected. So I was impressed by that. Um, but he, he bounced back well, uh, Nikolai, and, uh, you know, he tore apart the course as he can. Yeah, completely agree. Um I'm a big shotgun start fan. Uh, any of you golf nuts out there listen to it. It would be one of my favorite podcasts out there. And Andy Johnson made a, a great point. I thought not putting in perspective really what Nikolai and Rasmus are doing. I mean, they're not even legal drinking age in the United States right now. You know, they're, they're not 21 years old and they each have three wins on big tours. I mean, big events in the sense of, you know, the, the second biggest tour in the world. And, and here they are. Uh, you know, just starting to, to take off. If they were college sophomores winning events at this clip, like you would still even take probably more notice than what's happening right now. So excited for what's ahead for these guys. Um, they're, they're right at the top of the, the betting board. Nikolai, of course, is now the favorite this week. Um, you know, a number that is now cut in half um, from what it was. Rasmus is still kind of floating uh, around that area. You and I differ quite a bit on our selections this week. Uh, Before we really dive in, um, I guess general consensus of of guys that you're looking at, was there a specific strategy that you thought took uh, these guys to the top? Because I I have some strong takes there. 
I, I effectively just went with guys that paid it well to green off the tee mainly. I think just anyone that can take advantage of those uh, par fours like Nikolai did and, and all the par fives are getting all right. Um, so I don't really care about putting was basically the, the idea this week. Yeah, I think um, the we were just talking about before Matt um, on Twitter at SGT to green. Uh, if you're not following him and you listen to the show, make sure you do because he's always posting live uh, DB World Tour strokes gain stats. He scrapes the data, so he's got some interesting things. Nikolai Hoygaard had, I believe it was 33 drives last week that were over 330 yards. And the next closest was 18 in the entire field. Um, you look at what he was in those six easiest holes. You went to some of those par fours. He was 22 under. Next closest was 14 under. Took advantage with what it was. And it was it's pretty simple. I mean, him and Jordan Smith were 1-2 were in strokes gained off the tee last week, 1-2 on the leaderboard. And even the other guys that were up there, Hao Tong Lee, you know, he, he has a really good driver. Um, you know, I mean, some of just the other guys, just if you look overall that were in the mix, I mean, Otagi, not really a driving guy. Uh, I mean, Tapio, when, when Tapio is in there, you have to be able to, to have some distance to your name. I mean, D-Tree. You see, you know, Van Tonder, McIntyre, just guys that can really, Ross Fisher was up there. I mean, you know it has to be a, a driving week. And that was our speculation going into it because Challenge Tour results did depict this as well. So um, that's where I'm kind of planting my flag and, and really trying not to get too much recency bias, just seeing the event that what it was, because we've seen guys come off four weeks and then win the next week at the same exact course. So um, I think there's just a lot up in the air. Um, and prices have definitely differed. Yeah, and, and I think I think you're right. Like, I think there's there's two sides to it. You can expect someone to improve on last week's result because they've had a look at it, and you can expect you can overvalue what they did last week and, and get too sucked in, right? Uh, so the, the, there's two of those both available. Um, I don't think either of us have particularly done that. I think you know everything that we've kind of picked. Um, just looking at your section as well briefly. Um, suggests that we're picking up on the right things and, and not going too far into them. So, yeah, I'm pretty comfortable with my card, if not a little bit pessimistic based on, on what happened last week. Yeah, I'm, I feel okay about it. You know, again, I'm, I haven't been able to hit the board. I've been all over the place, um, you know, so I'm, I'm hoping we can get a little uh, life from my side because you've been carrying our weight. So start us off, Tom. Who's your first selection? So I've got my date, J.B. Hansen, and... He was kind of close for me last week and, you know, I didn't go with him and, and ultimately that played out being a, you know, a good decision in the end. Um, but I think, I think he showed enough to me um, to actually, you know, perform, he performed well. He was 12th in his uh, irons. He was inside the top 15 through three rounds, had a, a pretty poor final round, obviously. Um, but yeah, I was, I was pretty happy with what he did. And I still think he's one of the better players in this field. Right at the moment, I think that he's capable of scoring on those par fives and those par fours. Uh, it was good enough, if not quite good enough, to contend. Um, and, and I think he could build on that. So at 40 and 45 to 1, I thought he was uh, worth looking at. Yeah, friend of the program, you know, former winner for us. Um, never hate going back to the well. There was a first round leader, I believe it was, two events yep. ago. Um, so we know he could take it deep. Um, I said everything I did about driving, um, how it's really all that matters to me um, in some way. And then my first selection at a low price doesn't really follow my MO. It is a golfer um, probably, well, I guess I, I'm a little wrong. I was gonna say probably the only one 
who is this short that didn't play last week um, at this course, but that is wrong because we do have Audrey Arnas that came over um, who that would have hurt me big time. If he would have won that event, I was shocked how he played, Um, you know, of course didn't come really through on Sunday, but man, in the wind on Saturday was excellent there. Um, he just, or I mean, Friday afternoon, I think it was when, when everyone else was kind of falling back on the leaderboard, he kept charging up great on Adrian Nas. It's tough to back him, even though he's a great driver of the golf ball at 25. However, I think the sneaky performance over there coming off of um, a strong week the week prior was Justin Harding. Um, Justin Harding ended up finishing, I believe it was 24th last week um, at, in Saudi, but his weekend rounds of 66, 68 took notice for me. He was fourth, uh, the event before the Dubai Desert Classic, 25th, right before that. So like a strong stretch to open up his first couple weeks of the season. And his approach numbers at the Dubai Desert Classic were excellent. Um, You know, gaining over, I I would say, his best uh, approach numbers all probably pretty much almost a year. Uh, for Harding there. So we don't really know what it was like uh, at Saudi for the done strokes gain data from there. Um, But the other thing that gave me a little bit more confidence was the last win Harding had was at the Magic Kenya Open. Um, And that's a course what I think of that ball striking is is really needed. He's an excellent putter, has the range of putter, uh, you know, of, of excellent golfers, but he's really, he has done it at courses that demanded good ball striking. So at 35 to one, I just love that that form he has at him. Um, so he's where I am starting my career. I love Justin Harding literally all the time. I, I think quite often I say to you that he looks at a big price and um, he just didn't this time. Like I, just, I just didn't think he looked big. And and, and only if it was the same price as J.B. Hansen, I probably would have had a, a decision to make. And I think that, as you mentioned, like it's not particularly his strong suit that driving the ball isn't, you know, isn't, massive for him right but there's going to be different ways to get it done around here like it isn't just going to be like you say it's a he did it and and he definitely fits that mold and I, we could get too carried away and that you just have to have bombers and all of a sudden someone could just knock it around and make all the putts and and that happens so i think anytime you can get justin harding in at 35 and 40 to one in a pretty limited field is it, it, fine with me yeah, he's just, uh, I almost feel like he, his finishes haven't reflected how well he has played because he has made a strong presence on the top of the leaderboards uh, most events he's played in, at least at some point. But we uh, we live in this uh, mid-50s to 70s range for, for our next few selections here. Um, again, since we differ so much, we're going to kind of run just back and forth um, on who we're bullish on. So, Tom, who's next for you? Sean Norris for me, so another South African, um, you, you know, which will lead into probably our next pick as well. Um, but this is a guy that, you know, has been incredible on the Japanese tour, right? Like he's a, you know, he's a prolific winner on Japanese and Asian tour. Um, you know, long in the tooth. It's not like he, he's new. He, he's, he's been around for a long time. But it feels a little bit different over the last couple of years. It feels like he's kind of ready to win uh, at this level. And, and by this, at this level, it kind of felt like he could contend in a Dubai Desert Classic or uh, an Abu Dhabi. So to, to go and win this uh, wouldn't be that surprising to me at all. Um, tied ninth last week, just really, really solid. Um, every round, 68, 68, 68, and then 69 on the final day. Obviously not good enough to keep pace with um, you know Hogard, but 
he was only two behind Ategi, Lee, and, and Pavon and Mehmet in third. Like he, it was just Hoygaard just went to another level. And if, if he can't replicate that, then I think that kind of like Jordan Smith's uh, score was probably the more fair target. Then uh, I'd certainly think Norris can get there. He was 16th uh, off the tee last week, 26th in approach. Um, and I just want a guy that wins, right? He and he wins a lot. And yes, it's at a different level. And I think we found out kind of like Ju Young Kim last week that like just form on the Asian Japanese tour maybe doesn't always translate, but he has shown it at a pretty consistent clip um, on the European tour in recent years. Yeah, he's um, the whole mold of, of these golfers that we get that come off of the, the sub tours uh, that, that get their starts at another one here. Now he's secured his card after his victory at the second stage of the, the Kenya events last year. Um, Daniel Van Tonder finds his way back onto my betting card. And it's interesting because I, I like Van Tonder a lot because I, I do view him as like a, a big driver of the golf ball. And at times his, his statistics just don't line up for it. I mean, last week, 13th place finish with truthfully one of his worst outputs off the tee in a good amount of time. And it does give me a little bit of nerves. Um, you know, his number is now half of what it was last week. And I, I still think there's just enough there when he is a golfer that can, can rip off six missed cuts in a row and then come with a win, you know, in his next couple of events, he just has that, that ability to bounce back. Um, and when he drives the ball, the best is long it is, you know, okayly straight. I mean, again, I, I bring back that his PGA championship numbers against the best golfers in the world. He literally was one of the top tee to green at Kiowa. Um, so I just think Sunday he, he led the field in strokes gained approach. Um, his around the green game saved him all last week. That's why he finished 13th. But I think we know peak Van Tonder and that's still enough in this field, uh, given him seeing this course. So for four more rounds, I can give it another shot here. I think the way you've got to view it right is, well, you don't have to view it this way, but I think the way you could view it is that he finished 13th when basically Terry Wathity and only until the last round was he, was he, you know, not very good with his irons. Um, so that was kind of like the floor performance at this golf course for him, if, if you look at it that way, and that we know what could happen if he actually gets going with the Wathity. I mean, I, I hate watching him hit driver, but he seems to make it work. So that's all that matters. Yeah, he's um, and maybe it's maybe it's a narrative without having enough on him that that's creative. But yeah, I just think there's a lot in the tank from a winning upside um, from from what he's clearly done at some of the lower tours, and then of course came through yeah. last year in Kenya. Um, I have a second one here um, at the same price. Van Hunter was fifty five. Also, is Callum Shinkwit. If you stretch out statistics on, on the DP World Tour. Um, I dare say the best golfer off the tee in this field is Callum Shankwin. Um, you know, when you look at basically any type of like 50 rounds or more data with a good amount of sample size, I mean, it's him, Jordan Smith, Lori Cantor, Nikolai Hoygaard, Romain Lankoske. I mean, all golfers that are 30 to one and lower um, in this field. And I mean, you look at outside of, I mean, Shingwin just has the longer odds because he's so volatile versus some of the other guys, in my opinion. And maybe that's something we want and want to continue to attack. I mean, that is why Nikolai Hoygaard can still be 30 to one and win at a number that we look back at and shake our head. 
because he, he does miss cuts. I mean, Shinkwin does miss cuts, but what does he do? He gains strokes off the tee in almost every single event. I think we're looking at double digits in a row now for him. Um, I guess he, he slightly lost off the tee the last Dubai event, but ball striking, he was excellent last week um, as well. So I think that carries over again. He finished 21st. Um, so just a good amount of just things going in here. And, and people that I trust backed him last week too. Um, that found a lot in there. So I'm hoping they go back to the well at a very similar price. But I just think there's enough seeing what he did last week, knowing his build to keep it going. And he won. Or no, he didn't he didn't win. They had the back-to-back Cypress events. He won the first one, didn't he? Um, yeah. but he he did contend in the second one. Not that that literally matters, playing a course eight rounds in a row and using other ones, but it happens to be a string of things uh, with the first three guys that have bet. I I think you know, we spoke about Shink Queen earlier in the year, didn't we? Uh the event already. Uh I can't remember where it was now, it might have been Abu Dhabi. And he just, I just view him as that kind of hundreds one golfer. And when I see him at 55 to one, and like he's always decent off the tee and he's always pretty miserable uh, on the greens. And even though that's a slight improvement on what he was before his victory, which always held him back, he's kind of, you know, when everyone goes like he, he gets to zero, he doesn't get to zero, but he gets closer to it and it's enough. Um, I just worry about him making enough. Uh, putts to go low enough. I, th- I think he can definitely set him up with en- enough opportunities. Um, but at 55 to 1, I want someone that could, could do that more regularly. But he has the skill set of what we're looking for, is what I would say. Yep, absolutely. Um, let's flip it back to you as we go into um, long shot season for us. Yeah, I mean, just just before we move on to there, there's a couple of guys I've kind of looked at. I mean, Pablo Larafavol's form has been unbelievable. Like, this run that he's on of consistency is unheard of for, for Larafa Bell. And every time I go to the well with Larafa Bell, it goes badly, um, which is why I've just gone, it's probably not going to work out for me at 45, 50 to 1. Uh, and Marcus Armitage again keeps, you know, striking yeah. the ball incredibly well. So that would sting the second week in a row, but he was disappointing uh, over the weekend. So I am going to leave it. But um, I, I do think Pablo, I mean, if you look at some of those Saudi results, you know, he, he is his sixth place finish. Um, I just, it would have been so nice to see some strokes gained out of, out of what yeah. these guys were versus some of the better golfers in the world. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's a strong finish um, out of Pablo there. Yeah. And, and it just seems to be, it's probably a narrative thing, but whenever Larafael does well and you expect him to go well again, he doesn't. And that's just kind of in the back of my mind all the time. I've got a good Pablo bet for you at the end of this. Okay, cool. Um, Ross Fisher, right, is a golfer that I'd pretty much given up on. Um, at one point, I, th- I thought it was over. Like Whenever these Middle Eastern uh, swings came around, he always seemed to pop up. Um, but he was ninth in strokes going tee to green last week, 10th in approach, ninth and 5th the last two weeks off the tee. So he is striking the ball uh, incredibly well. Can he make the amount of putts you need uh, is is the question? Can he even set up the same amount of um, opportunities as, as a Nikolai Hoygaard? But the trouble is, is if we base everything on can they do what Nikolai Hoygaard done last week, you won't back anyone because no one will do what he done. Like he he dropped however many shots he drops and still shot twenty two under par. Like, it was just ridiculous. Just made eagles at a clip that people should be making eagles. Um, Ross Fisher had two sixty-seven rounds. Um, shot seventy-two on Saturday. It kind of took him out of it. 
uh, and wasn't the fastest of starters. But I just think a bit of acclimatisation um, over there for the second week. If if his game is what it looks like on paper, then uh, I think it could be in for a big Ross Fisher week. Yeah. He's someone I can never really nail, but this area of the world plus the needed ball striking is like a, a really good combination. We saw it obviously, yeah. of course, last week for him too. He'll probably be a great um, DraftKings play too. Salaries aren't out at this time we're recording, but absolutely think uh, Fisher in this neck of the woods um, would make sense. I'm going to bring it back to that first statistic um, that we mentioned with um, with Matt um, on the drives over um, 330 yards it was. Um, and there was a golfer who was second on this list who had a pair of really good rounds last week. Um, and <clears throat> is, he's, he's good friends with um, the Hoygaard brothers. Um, and he's now getting a chance to, to really um, kind of hit the ground running with some status. Um, but what well, it's Nicholas uh, Moeller. Um, if you don't yep. include what his, his middle name, which is what Nicholas Norgard Moeller. Um, yeah. So he is extremely long. I mean, 18, I believe it was 18 drives over 330 yards last week uh, for him. And I mean, for, for, I guess the upside we've seen on him, he was eighth, I believe at the maiden Himmerlin. It was last year uh, where Byrne kind of ran away, but you know, that's a good, kind of challenge for those those local guys there getting a, a big step up so that was really the first we had kind of seen of him um outside of getting his tour card then um which so last week would have been his first dp world tour start then 64th um for him but if you look at those sandwich rounds in the middle 67 68 absolutely fell apart on sunday he shot a 79 um I just think if I'm going of the mold of upside and it's really coming from the, the driving perspective of it, I think his talent is just a little bit more than some other guys in this range for this course specifically. So that's kind of where uh, I, I almost went with Yannick Paul for another week because Yannick, now that we're getting some more numbers on him, he is also extremely long too. Um, I think he has uh, a driving weapon, ball striking weapon overall. Um, but I just think the upside for, for Norgard Moeller might be a little bit more. So that is where, uh, for me, uh, I'm going to be here. Well, I mean, it's like, well, so last week, I, I sort of said to me, and I think you kind of agreed, this was a good time just to target the the challenge show guys. And we kind of went with Bruin and I went with LaCroix. Um, and, and Norgard Muller was was definitely part of that thinking. Like he was, you know, not just because he was one of them, but because, like you say, he had that sort of flash appearance um, at the Maiden Himmeland, which was, you know, really nice to see. He was eighth there, full for the Czech Challenge the week after, so you knew you could have kept up uh, good form. It just worried me how poor he was like, on the final day, and it can be forgiven. Like he's young, looks young, like is young, you know. But I guess. Do you chuck that out the window when he's got two friends that are really young that are what they are in the world? It's it's really hard how you view it. Like I say, it's just really horrible to compare them to um, people that are doing things that can't be sustained. So it's definitely worth another look at, at the price he is because you're not paying a lot to find out, right? Yeah, and and he, he's a really good putter from from kind of looking at the, those couple of events where he actually had you know, kind of these splash uh, finishes. He's just Anytime we've recorded him from a strokes game perspective, his 
driving distance versus the field is just extremely overweight. Um, so he's be, he'd be my, um, oh no, I, I, I'm going to go, you, you go next time. Cause, cause I, I think after I dug in, I, I might end up being on Yannick too. I don't know what to do with David Law because I thought he was going to be so short in the market that it wouldn't matter and I wouldn't have a decision to make. But he was, what, 175 to 1 last week? You could argue should have won the golf tournament. Um, and he's still 100 to 125 to 1 in a place. Like, And to me, like he was so... Obviously, he was disappointed, right? But he seemed so upbeat about what he'd done. And I don't know if that's a lying to himself to cover up the fact that he's absolutely disappointed with, with what he'd done, which he probably should be, right? Or whether that is a, a genuine thing. And if it's a genuine thing that he was, you know, really content with what happened, um, then I think that's pretty impressive. And I, ju I just thought the price was slightly too big to find out whether he can do it again. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what you would have early Sunday morning thought, I mean, neck and neck of, of what it could have been. Um, and those numbers normally get slashed significantly more. Um, as I made the but argument, it, go, go. Even with how bad he was on Sunday, like he was fifth in approach. Like, yeah. and, and the trouble is with him is like he's what we've said about Harding and and, and others. He he's not going to be the guy that just drives it and and just gains that way. Like he does have to have a really good game, and he did that for three rounds and didn't for four. But even like when he was playing badly, he was in it for a long time, right up until the back nine when when you know Nikolai took over, um, and even Nikolai had his wobble. So I think there is. There's scope for, for bad performances, especially under pressure that he was under. Um, and, I, and I think I can probably forgive it just, just based on the price. Yeah. No, I, I think it's a, a very fair argument. That's your point. No, yeah, I, I'm just re-racking my notes and, and kind of looking through the numbers in this range. And I think when I was forced to make a decision here, I mean, I think in the early hundreds, um, kind of looking at it from here, you know, Kruitz, which yaks is somebody who yeah yeah um what different pronunciations of that that was wild um <laughs> mine's probably but, wrong <laughs> i mean mine can't be right either so um but he he's um on a couple of betting cards that, that we respect um and, and kind of has shown some life after knocking off a little rust on, on thursday um you know if you also look at, at marcus um Lekilda. Marcus Lakilda um, missed a cup, but has. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna repeat. I'm gonna repeat whatever you say. Marcus Hellingkadil. 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 Marcus. Yeah, but he's also bet by guys that uh, Brad Todd's on him. And Bradley Todd is right. literally the best. The best better in the world. I mean, there's yeah, there's just, no doubt about it. Just Listen to him. No I'm, I'm lost for words. Yeah. Um, but um, so, so Bradley's been phenomenal. He's on, on him. But I, I just end up going back to, as I, as I look through the notes, I, I do think there's enough in Yannick to, to just repeat my same process on why I liked him last week. You know, his ball striking was still just fine. Um, from and, and that's what he is. His game does have in it is what we're seeing the distance. We're seeing approach, you know. And, and again, it's, it's, we don't have a ton of him because we literally only have two strokes or two events of strokes gain data. But I think there's enough to, to know if these guys can drive the ball. 
um, at least, um, because if you're driving with distance and gaining off the tee, you know, you, you have that in your bag. So I think Yannick, if, if I'm going to talk myself to Norgard Moeller, I think I, I don't want to leave off Yannick. So he will be on my betting card. And then to, to put the, the final stamp of approval, did you see, we're talking off the tee, Tom, we're talking guys that played the weekend at the course, you know, last week, there was a golfer out of Italy. You know, he, he, he might have found it a little bit. You woke up there. He was 202. Let me tell you. Was it Edward Edward Oh, no. 200. No, no, no. Younger. Younger, yeah. 200 <laughs> through his first two holes on Thursday. If, if I would have been awake at midnight, I wasn't sleeping, you know? <laughs> so he, he finished 20th in strokes hand off the tee. If you want to talk about stats that matter, that's, that's it right there. Guido Migliazzi played the weekend. Have you, have you noticed – He's rocking those specs on the golf course. He has the Tong specs on. Now we're seeing Tong Lee at 30 to 1 these days. It can't be that long then if Guido's wearing these similar ones that, that he's back there contending, cashing each ways. So 130 to 1, yeah, I like that. Wasn't this like when James Winston got LASIK surgery and everyone thought he was going to stop throwing interceptions? It's just, yeah. He, he's still going to, you know, miss greens and fairways and. I don't know. It's a hell of a drug, Migliozzi. Um, you know, if you if you ask that on the street, it'll be expensive. Um, I thought you might like Christopher Broberg, and I can see why because his off the tee game wasn't good enough. And I think if you finish fourth uh, in approach and finish forty second in the leaderboard, that means that you haven't got the suited game. Um, so I was in the end quite easy to oppose him. Yeah, I mean, his, his irons continue to be, you know, excellent. Um, I, I thought also, I almost went, I didn't want to fall into the, the recency bias of that, but Lucas uh, Nemix is his yeah. Nemix. He, he, he's a really, he's got a lot, like I, I dug through a little bit of the data of it. He's, he's known to be very long. So like it, it racks up with the same narrative. I mean, he finishes third out of nowhere. Um, and shows that he has driving distance of it. Oliver Becker, similar situation. He, he's decent with the driver as well. You know, finished second to an event that Van Tonder won. You know, also just, just right in that, that area, I thought he was decent. Um, but we're starting to get some of these, like, names of guys that are just, like, even long in, in, in these uh, events. I mean, you're seeing Juiced down here in the 100. You know, you're, you're seeing uh, – Will Besling down here, 140. It's just that the, the times are, are changing a little bit. And, and we're going to have a month off after this event or three weeks off. So it'll be interesting because we just don't hit a stretch of form for guys to, to be able to build our narrative sometimes. And that's the thing is like we, we're trying to build an idea around golfers over this winter break where they've had some time off. We're just starting to get some data on them, and then all of a sudden they're going to have a massive break again. And so that is a slight concern. And, and talking of breaks, Oliver Wilson came back after a break last week, um, and I sort of talked to him up on the podcast and mentioned that I'd be interested and wanted to see more of what he was doing. I messaged him on Tuesday or Wednesday, I think it was, and just asked how he felt, and, and he basically said jet-lagged. So um, I kind of knew that it was going to be a slow start or anticipated a slow start, and, and it was. Um, he had the, he was like 360 off the tee at one point. He posted it on his Instagram. He said, I couldn't not post this. Um, I don't know how many measured holes that was, probably two. Um, and he probably, you know, hit a cart path or something. But um, he's sneakily long again now. Like, he he has chased that a little bit over the off-season. I sort of said to you that I was interested, because he keeps posting on socials, whether, you know, I'd, 
as I said, it was a stupid narrative, but I can't see someone posting that much on social media if they're going to be crap. And he wasn't, right? He was really good tee to green. Um, 14th off the tee. Uh, he finished 27th after an opening round 73. Um, so at 201 or 175 or whatever he's going to be this week, um, I'm going to find out how Oliver Wilson does this week. You know, you say that I have a Guido problem. Yeah. I think eventually we're going to address your Oliver Wilson problem. We, I think we're going to have to. You make um, a, a statement in there every time we run through the sixes. You know, Ollie Wilson, this might be the week. This could think, be it. I think what we're going to have to do is we're going to, have to get you to interview Guido as well, because then you Ooh. can have some sort of affinity to him. Yes. Um, because this is the only reason I back Oliver Wilson, because I spoke to him once and he's a nice guy. And he supports Nottingham Forest, who I support as well. So that's nice. why I like Lee Westwood. That's why I like Oliver Wilson. Um, but no, there are some numbers to it. Um, and he always just seems to be a decent price. Yeah, absolutely. So... Before I uh, wrap up our cards here, um, I, I said I had one more bet for you this week. So tomorrow, yes. I believe it's believe it's tomorrow. Odds are still up. What's today? The seventh. Yeah. So short life. If you're listening to this Monday night, and your books are offering it, there's a nine-hole exhibition happening on the DP World Tour called the Hero Challenge. I know Guess who Pablo Lorthable <laughs> is playing with, or Pablo Lorthable. Nope, Lorothable, Pablo Lorothable. Oh, fine, yeah. Okay, is playing with Guido Migliazzi. They're teaming Got up. Got win, right? Nine holes. Anything can happen in nine holes. These guys are 16 to one. Why don't you parlay that with Guido? Next thing you know, we'll be at these events pretty soon, hosting it live. So, no, I think that they're, the other one that caught my eye, actually, is after Tong Lee and Nemix played together last week, they're paired up 18 to one, nine holes. Maybe they're feeling kind of hot. Um, but yeah, I, I'm definitely uh, putting a little little chunk of change there on, on Pablo and Guido together. Great time to back Ollie Wilson again. He's playing with Richard Bland. That'd be like the seniors group. There uh, we go. Outsiders at twenty-two to one. Um, I, I can't get that degenerate. I think that's, that's kind of painful. You know, <laughs> a two-man nine-hole event. It gave you another reason to back Guido, right? Yep, and if we hit it, put that in the books. It's a win. So, all right, <laughs> yeah. let's wrap up these uh, betting cards. Tom, you go first. Yeah, so it's uh, JB Hansen for me. I think 40 to 1, 45 to 1. Uh, Sean Norris at 50 to 1. Ross Fisher at 100 to 1. Uh, David Law at 125 to 1. And Oliver Wilson at 175 or 200 to 1, whatever you can get. Perfect. I'm on Justin Harding, 35 to 1. Callum Shinkwin, 55. Daniel Van Tonder, 55. Am going with Yannick Hall at 125. Nicholas Norgard Moeller at 130. And Guido, he's as long as 140 here in the States. And then again, if you got that Pablo Guido, 18 to 1 over in the Hero Challenge, going to be on that there. If you enjoy the podcast, we'd appreciate you guys. Like, review, subscribe. If you want to have the audio version, you can always download Daily Fantasy Sports Picks and Bets The Mix. Find us there every single week as well. We will for every single event. You won't be seeing us for a couple of weeks as the DP World Tour is off. We'll be catching you guys once it is back. Tom, thank you for another great episode. Thank you, buddy. And, and I really hope it's a Guido win soon because um, I want you to get back in the winner's circle and I want it to be that way. Um, Amen. So let's do it. Yes. Amen to that. Thanks, everybody.